Thanks for the opportunity tonight to teach. I'm looking forward to tonight and what we're going to talk about. Um, the year was 1987. Now, tonight we're talking about Judaism, by the way, as Kyler mentioned. The year was 1987. I was a high school senior, and I was dating my future wife by the name of Krista. Wait, what was your last name? Brown. Krista Brown. And uh, she's in the room, by the way. She's in the back, so she's going to kill me, whatever I say wrong. And uh, so we were dating, and um, sometime in 1987, I was, it was my senior year, something happened. I don't know what happened, but we broke up, okay? Sometime also, right before that, both of our families said, hey, let's go to Israel together. Let's go to Israel together. So we signed up for Israel, and then we broke up. And then comes 1988. It was January of 1988. And we ended up going on the same trip together uh, with our families to uh, Israel, broken up. That was very interesting as we uh, saw each other and, you know, we had to ride a plane together over there with all of our families and everything. So uh, that right there is my first memory and thought. Every time I think about, of course, you know, Judaism or Jews, or then you start thinking about Israel, you start thinking about things. That's what pops in my mind. And the good thing is, fortunately, um, I, you know, I had lost my mind when we were broken up. So uh, I, I got my mind right back together and we ended up getting back together and obviously marrying each other. So that was a good thing. Do you remember that, Krista? Do you remember Israel, the trip? <laughs> So tonight we are going to talk about uh, Judaism and uh, the way, the direction we're going to go, and you're going to see it in your notes, um, we're going to go over five things. That is, just kind of let you know where we're going with this. We're going to talk about the history of Judaism. Where did it come from? We're going to talk about the scripture. Like what are they, what is their authority? We're going to talk about their theology. What do they believe? Uh, And then we're going to look at kind of their, you know, what they practice? What, is, what are the Jewish people, what does Judaism practice? And then finally, we're going to kind of wrap it up with, um, you know, what are the differences and between Judaism and Christianity and how, does, how is the gospel different? So that's the direction we're going in. Um, with that in mind, let's do this. Let's pray and then we'll get started. Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity to speak tonight and I pray, even as we look at a different religion, a religion that is Similar to what we believe in, but quite different. I pray that even as we learn some things about Judaism, that we will at the same time know more about what we believe. And God, I pray that Jesus Christ will be exalted through this. Speak to us tonight through your spirit. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. What do you think about when you hear Judaism? When you hear the word Judaism, the study? You might think of things like, the Old Testament, we got a few pictures I threw up here, you know, just that whole thought of the Hebrew scripture, which we're going to talk about. You might just think about Jerusalem. Again, that's one of the things I thought about going over there and just knowing that that's practiced over there. The state of, or the, the Jewish nation, uh, the Jewish flag, I mean, that just pops into my mind thinking about things like this. Maybe just Jews, the people who actually practice Judaism. Um, I mean, that's the first picture I think when I think of Jews is just the way they look, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. You might think about even stuff like the Holocaust or things, things like that. But I don't know which, what comes to your mind 
But um, we want to look at this. And the first thing we want to look at is just really the answering, answer the question of what is Judaism? Um, and we're going to kind of answer that going through this whole outline. But just to give you a quick summary, what is Judaism? It is a rela- uh, religion, and it's in your notes here, based on relationships. Based on relationships. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, it kind of gives a description like this. It's, number one, God's relationship with humans. Second of all, it's, it's, a, it's a person's relationship with God. Third, it's the people's individual relationship with each other. So you've got the, you've got the vertical relationship with God. You've got the horizontal relationship with God. And then really it's about relationship, the cho- what it says, the chosen people's relationship with other nations. You know, obviously they have a relationship with other nations. All these relationships are based on rules, traditions, that have, they would say, have come from God. So we see that, and then we see this. Judaism is made up of people called Jews. Jews. So let's just look at them real quick. Dictionary, this is just coming straight from the dictionary, but a Jew includes this, some definitions. A person belonging to a a continuation through descent or conversion of the ancient Jewish people could be described and defined as one whose religion is Judaism, could be defined as a member of the tribe of Judah, an Israelite, and it could be defined as a member of a nation existing in the land of Israel from the 6th century B.C. to the 1st century A.D. That's kind of how it's defined as a Jew. Really, they would say anyone who is born of a Jewish mother is recognized as being Jewish. It, it's, or it could be also somebody who's formerly uh, converted into Judaism. Rabbis, not Rabbi Matt, but rabbis say that a Jew does not, this is interesting, does not need to be a follower of Jewish laws and customs to be considered Jewish. So a lot of it is cultural. Uh, some of it's, you know, obviously a lot of it's religion too. But most are, uh, many relig- uh, Jews are not religious. Uh, they affirm, but they affirm their identity as Jews. So not religious, but they affirm their identity as Jews. So, well, let's go a little bit further. We're going to kind of step back into the history of Judaism just to kind of give us an idea of, hey, where did this come from? Which you might say, hey, I think I know where it come from. I came from because, you know, we, we study this a lot in the Old Testament. But let's kind of break it down. The way uh, you can look at the history of Judaism is kind of, we're going to break it up into a, a couple of what we would call commonwealths. The early history of Judaism is sometimes discussed in the terms of two different commonwealths. And that is basically two major eras uh, with particular characteristics. The first one is this, and this is in your notes. The first Jewish commonwealth. First Jewish commonwealth. And I'm just going to kind of throw out some things that it's, it's really a period of time. So even in your notes, you could put, it's really from the time of Moses received the law on Mount Sinai, which is around 1450 B.C. 1450 B.C. until the destruction of Judah by the Babylonians. 587 B.C. So this is that first Jewish commonwealth talking about the history of where it's come from. And and most of that comes from the Hebrew Bible. And really it starts back in, you know, obviously Genesis, talking about creation, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Seth, the flood, Tower of Babel, the patriarchs, Egypt, Sinai, conquest and judges. I mean, this is just kind of, this is that first commonwealth, the history of the Jewish um, the conquest and judges, the unified kingdom, the divided kingdom. And that kind of leads you up to 
the second Jewish commonwealth. So that's number two, the second Jewish commonwealth. Now that would be the time period, and you can write this down from, again, we just kind of finished up with the 587 B.C. It's where the destruction of Judah by the Babylonians, and it extends through the destruction of the temple by who? The Romans in A.D. 70. So that's kind of this second period. So let's kind of look at that because this is, this is also interesting of what's happening here. And there's a part of this where we expand a little bit more as we think through this. So that's what's happening. You know, what's happening with the Jewish people is exile and restoration. And then you have a point in that area where there's Greek occupation. And then you come to the point during this time of the, the second commonwealth of the Roman Occupation, and, and this is where we're a little bit more familiar with because this is what we, as we read in the New Testament, as we read in our Bible, we start reading through and kind of get in the context of Christ coming and things happening. This is where the Jewish life is happening. And it's, it's this. It's a devotion to God. It's keeping God's law and practicing what? Required temple sacrifices. I mean, again, we see that in the New Testament. This is what's happening in the Gospels. Uh, at that same time, there's the messianic expectation. In other words, they're expecting, the Jewish people are expecting a Messiah. But what kind of Messiah are they expecting? They're expecting, and, and, and actually at that time, there were several who claimed to be the Messiah. But it was a Messiah coming to overthrow the Roman government, the Roman lordship. That's what they were looking for, obviously. They were like, this is what we want. This is what believe, we believe is going to happen. At that same time, you've got the party divisions. Again, think about your New Testament. Think about this. You had the, the, the parties of Sadducees, right? You had the Pharisees. You had the Herodians. You had the Essenes, and you had the Zealots. Now, now the Zealots in that time were these Jews that were really could be considered terrorists. I mean, they, they, they were trying to do whatever they can. They really believe that our job is to overthrow this Roman government. Our, our job is to take over. And so they would continue just against the Romans. They would, they would just try to, to, to destroy and just say, we're going to take over. But it ultimately led to a full-blown war. And what? The destruction of the temple. So really, if you look at that, the Jewish state at that time ended with the destruction of the temple in A.D. 70. The temple was destroyed except for what they say, the western retaining wall on the mount, which became known as the Welling Wall. So this religion during that second commonwealth um, that focused on temple uh, sacrifices, you know, for the past thousands of years became dysfunctional. So this, this religion that we're talking about at that point just kind of, okay, what's happening here? Because you go back to the parties. You remember the party divisions I talked about? You look at that and you say, okay, what about the Sadducees? Well, listen, those were the party of the priest. Well, guess what? The temple's gone. So they were pretty much no more at that point. The zealots, okay, the zealots are still there and they're going, okay, what's, what's happening? We're going we're gonna to continue to try to make, do something. But they made their last stand at Herod's old fortress in AD 73. So just a few years after the destruction of the temple. But it ended in a mass suicide of 956 people on the eve of being captured by the Romans. So then you had the Herodians and the Essenes who really had never much, they, they really didn't have much support or popularity within the people, so they kind of disappeared after this whole war. So who did that leave? The Pharisees. 
The Pharisees were the only ones who were left to assume this leadership of Judaism. It was them. They were not, one of the things, they were not tied strongly to politics, uh, and they really didn't deal with the temple sacrifices. Um, That's just not what they dealt with. So they were focused on, and they were actually experts in what? The law. So you've got the law, and this new Judaism that they were going to lead really pulled out the whole sacrifices thing. It was going to be led without sacrifices at that point. And from that point on, the Pharisaic Judaism was the mainline Judaism. Now, well, what what happens from there? This is where kind of the rabbis come in because the rabbis were the spiritual descendants of the Pharisees. Spiritual descendants of the Pharisees. So, from then, what happened is the agenda for Jewish life and practice, the Judaism, really has been set by the rabbis. That's what you hear. So, from AD 70... The, you know, you've got that point. The, the Jews not only lost the temple, but they pretty much lost their homeland. That's what's happening. And over the next 1,800 years, the history of the Jewish religion and culture is a history of what? Exile. I mean, that's just, it's just kind of like they're scattered. The land was occupied by Romans still. Uh, it got to the point, Byzantines, uh, Persians, Arabs, European crusaders were coming into the land, the Turks, and then finally... Who comes in? The British. And then once again, it became the Jewish homeland. So, some scholars believe that the Holocaust and the creation from that point on to the modern state, the creation of the modern state of Israel, have initiated like a third commonwealth. Some scholars believe that, and that's a whole other major era. But, looking at that, which is a lot of information, but it kind of gives you an idea of like, okay, Judaism, what, what happened from the Old Testament going into what we would say the New Testament, that time period, and even to the point of where they are now, you can see that, okay, who's leading this? The, the spiritual descendants of the Pharisees, which is the rabbis. The main focus at this point is, of Judaism is this. Remember, the Pharisees were the people that focused on so much on the law. That was their focus. So what did the Judaism become focused on? Observing the law. Observing the law more than personal belief. It was just, hey, we're going to observe the law. We're going we're to be obedient. It's not about what we believe. It's observance of the law, not doctrine, which I think is interesting. We're going to look at that. Well, in thinking about that, let's go to the next page, or the next section is talking about the Scripture. Judaism Scripture, what is their authority? Okay, you've got these rabbis. What are, what are they using as their authority to say, hey, you need to be obedient? Well, as we know, Christianity and Judaism share the Hebrew scriptures, the old, basically the Old Testament, as, hey, this is the authoritative word of God. Although Christian, we know, includes the New Testament as well, but we know the Old Testament, the Jews refer it to as the J- Jewish Hebrew scripture. Now, the difference is this. The difference is the arrangement of this the Old Testament, we'll say it that way. The arrangement of the Old Testament. The Jewish Hebrew canon was arranged in three different divisions, and you kind of see it there. The first one is this. You see your blank. It's the Torah. And that is what it is. It's the Torah. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, written by Moses from God. So we've got those five books. That's the Torah. And many of you are like, yeah, I'm familiar with that. That's, I've talked about that or seen that, studied that. 
But then you have the prophets section of this, the, the, the Hebrew scripture they would call the prophets. Now here's where it gets a little different because the prophets to them would be Joshua, Judges, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then what they would call the 12, which is Hosea to Malachi. So that's, that's what they would call the prophets. And then the third part of it, of their, the Hebrew scriptures, is what they would call just the writings. The writings. The writings would pretty much be all of the other books. Psalms, Job, Proverbs, Ruth, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, Lamentations, Esther, Daniel, Ezra, Nehemiah, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. So just those there. And then you would look at it and say, they would look at it and say, okay, we have basically 613 commandments all found in Leviticus and some, well, and some other books that regulate all Jewish aspects of Jewish life. So that's what they would go back and say, this is how we're going to govern, this is how we're going to live our life according to mostly Leviticus, but all these other places, these 613 commandments. And then they would, of course, go to the Ten Commandments as a delineated in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 for a brief synopsis of the law. So that's what they would look like. Now, beyond that, now that, y'all, I know this is a lot of just like information. Just like, oh my goodness, this is like, but this is kind of giving you an idea of, hey, this is, this is what they think. This is the authority. So beyond this whole idea of the Hebrew scripture, the, beyond the canon, is what they call Mishnah. Mishnah. So that's your first blank there. I think it's up on the screen. It's spelled M-I-S-H-N-A, Mishnah. After the, this is what it is. After the Jewish, uh, well, it was basically a collection of many interpretations of the law that it uh, accrued over a period of time, over the centuries. So they, in other words, they create, they found these other interpretations and collections and said, okay, we're going we're gonna to also include these in what we look at and read over. But then after the Jew, Jewish people were spread into many parts of the world, a second set of writings was composed called the Gemara. Gemara. And uh, that was another collection. So what they ended up doing, and this is what you see in your notes, it was the Mishnah plus the Gemara equals, and this is where they kind of put them all together, and they said, we're going to have the Talmud. That's what they called it. These would be considered by some the authority, and even by others, even inspired. But the Talmud is the authority source of Jewish law and tradition, so it's another part of it. It's like, this is what we do. So, you've got all that. You've got the history of Judaism. You have the authority of what Judaism looks to. But what do they actually believe? I mean, we look at it and we say, hey, we have our authority. We look at this and we say, this is what we believe. We can look and say, this is, this is what we believe. What is their theology? What is their theology? So that's what we're going to look at. Judaism's theology, what do they believe? Theology, it's just a study of God. What do they think about God? What is their study here? So Judaism, look at your notes. Judaism believes in one God. You're like, well, obviously we can understand that. Listen, listen to this. This is what Judaism believes. It's about one God who is almighty, omniscient, omnipresent, eternal, 
infinite. Judaism believes this one God is holy, righteous, and just. While at the same time, this God is loving, forgiving, and merciful. Judaism believes in the existence of heaven, the eternal dwelling place of the righteous, and hell, the eternal dwelling place of the wicked. All of that right there. Does it sound familiar? I mean, I start looking at that, and I just want to start praising the Lord because that's what, that's what I believe. That's what we believe, is that our God is almighty. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. God is eternal. God is infinite. God is holy. I mean, that's what we come to church for and just praise the Lord. He's holy. He's righteous. He's just. He's loving. He's forgiving. He's merciful. His steadfast love endures forever. But Christianity, even though they do have some basic ethical codes, we would call it commonly known today as what? Judeo-Christian values. There's a difference. Judaism is, does not, listen to this, Judaism does not revolve around a set of doctrines or a plan of salvation. They don't revolve, Judaism does not revolve around a set of doctrines are a plan of salvation. Wow. All right, let's, let's think about that a little bit more. For us, I mean, you think about it, we, we believe and study doctrines. A doctrine is what the whole Bible teaches about a particular topic. It's like, for example, the doctrine of salvation. We would study that, we'd look at that, and understand more about what Christ did, who, what, what we do, how we respond to that. Or we, we believe in the doctrine of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We've studied that in here on Wednesday nights. Many other doctrines we even study. We've done, we study doctrines and believe in a set of doctrines. For Judaism, it it's, it's some, can sum up, sum up this way. Judaism is a prescription for living life. Judaism would ask the following questions. What do you practice? What are you doing with your life? Not, not what do you believe? Different branches of uh, contemporary Judaism provides different answers. So in thinking about what they... But the common denominator for Judaism is you need to make a difference in the world through a life of righteousness. Through a life of righteousness. They believe that God monitors the activities of humans. He rewards individuals for good deeds and punishes evil. Doctrines and belief about salvation take a back seat. Jewish belief does not accept... Listen to this. Jewish belief does not accept the Christian concept of original sin. Judaism says there's no... Judaism says this. No Savior is needed. No Savior is needed. Judaism affirms the inherent goodness of the world and its people as creations of God. Beliefs about Jesus vary considerably. Some view him as a great moral teacher. Others see him as a false prophet and an idol or as an idol of Christianity. Some sects of Judaism will not even say his name due to uh, just they're being against. The, it's an idol. Like, don't even say his name. That's what some believe. Now, according to Judaism, the Messiah, again, they're looking for the Messiah, this anointed one of God, will arrive in the future and gather Jews once more into the land of Israel. There will be a general resurrection of the dead at that time in Jerusalem temple that was destroyed in, remember, A.D. 70? by the Romans, will be rebuilt. So this gives you a little bit of an idea of what, what they believe. 
But what about what they practice? What about what they practice? Their distinctives. There are three main branches of Judaism in the world today. Um, we're going to kind of just, there's, there's, there's many actually, there are, there's several more, but we're just going to look at these few, I mean, just real quick. The beliefs and requirements in each group differ. The forms of Judaism, actually the, the two of them we're going to talk about come from the first one we're going to talk about, which is the Orthodox Jews. So it's kind of like the main one is your first blank there is Orthodox Judaism. And then these other two kind of take that and kind of go a little bit different direction. Basically, the Orthodox Judaism adheres to the law. I mean, again, it's going back to the law. This is what we believe. This is what we're going to do. The second one is this, Reformed Judaism. Reformed Judaism. So this is, this is them, again, adhering to the law, but this is how they do it a little bit different. They accommodate contemporary culture. They, they, take the, they say, okay, we're, we, we adhere to the law, but we're going to accommodate contemporary culture. That, that means they really don't see traditional forms as authoritative. Um, the religious practice, practice is understood as being in a state of continuous development, changes. And then you've got the third one, which is conservative Judaism, conservative Juda Judaism. And this was born in the 19th century in Germany. By the way, Reformed Judaism came about in the 18th century. If you want to jot that down, just Reformed Judaism came about in the 18th century. But conservative Judaism was born in the 19th century, actually in Germany. And this is, the, this is again, adhering to the law. This is the law while adapting to the culture. They maintain the basics Jew Jewish laws while permitting more contemporary things like dress and worship. So it's a little bit more, obviously, it's conservative. You know, that's what they call it, but it's, it's really like more contemporary dress and worship. So that's some of the practices. Or right, let's look at some of the practices and uh, uh, traditions of Judaism. Now, this is, this is kind of interesting. Just kind of going through and studying for this, you look at it and you, you know, a lot of this stuff, you're like, oh, yeah, I've, I've seen that. Or obviously, I've heard about that. Um, I know friends that celebrate different, do, do different things. So the first thing is just kind of their dress. This is some of their practices, what they do. Orthodox Jews dress, this is Orthodox Jews, dress in regular street clothes. But they add a few things. So we have our friend up here on the screen. He posed for a picture. Um, this is an Orthodox Jew. I'm, I'm just kidding. I don't know who this guy is. It's called stock photography. Okay. So they, 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 they dress in regular street clothes, but they add a few things to it. They add like a long black coat. You've seen that before. White shirts. A uh, large hat. Uh, they have fringes, and you don't see it on this picture, but fringes on their garments. And they do that because it's a reminder of God's commandments and the children of Israel were instructed to make fringes on the garments. And that comes from Numbers chapter 15. I mean, it just, it's scripture. It's like, this is what God's word says to do, and this is what we do. So you have the fringes on the garments, and then you have like the side curls. I mean, I've always been like, what's the side curls? I mean, look at that. You see, according, again, according to scripture, Leviticus 19, 27, it forbids cutting of the hair that grows on the sides of the head. So what they do, the Jewish men let a curl of hair grow in front of their ears so it falls down like a long sideburn. So that's what they have. An observant Jewish man always keeps his head covered, either with a hat or a small skull cap called a yarmulke. 
So you see those a lot. Um, so you have different dress. You see that. Uh, diet. Obviously, we know that. I and mean, if you go shopping now, grocery shopping, you'll find, I mean, you'll find, like Chris and I shop at, well, wherever we go for shopping. <clears throat> you have a, like an international aisle, right? And it just kind of goes down. You see stuff that's for different um, ethnics and international and so you, uh, nations and stuff. So you see that and you go, okay, um, they have dietary laws and we know it's like kosher law, right? You know, you see that? It's got labels on it, which I've heard actually is much healthier <laughs> than, than probably some of the things we eat. But um, this is all based on rules contained in Leviticus. It goes back to the Old Testament. It plays a, so the kosher laws play an important role in the Jewish life. But, you know, when they, they do this, and, and again, going back to the Old Testament, looking at Leviticus and saying this is what we're supposed to eat, this is what we're not supposed to eat. I mean, they would look at, <clears throat> even today, an Orthodox Jew would be like, hey, if you eat pork or what they would call like a meat milk dish, like a cheeseburger, meat milk, I mean, that's what, that's what they would say. They would say it's like eating dogs or flies. I mean, that's because of what the commandments say. And they say, you, you stay away from that. In other words, don't eat that. That's not what you're supposed to do. So they obviously have some dietary laws. Prayer is, you know, what, how they look at prayer. Orthodox Jewish men pray three times a day, morning, noon, and evening. And again, they, they, if they can, they face in the direction of Jerusalem. They face in the direction of Jerusalem. And then you've got some of their, you know, again, looking at their practices and some of the stuff they do. Um, I mean, you've just got all these special days or life cycles that happen within a year um, that they take part in. So I'm just going to give a few of those. I mean, there's a lot, but you can, we're just going to look at a few. A few of these you might be familiar with, but I thought it was interesting. Bar mitzvah. Bar mitzvah. Anybody been to a bar mitzvah before? Just, okay. Um, so what this is, is it's when a boy, it, it literally is a boy becomes bar mitzvah. A boy becomes bar mitzvah, which means a son of the commandment. That's what it means when he's at the age of 13. A son of the commandment. The meaning is now, what it means for him is he is a, now accountable for the law, for keeping the law. He's accountable now for keeping the law. So, hey, you're 13 years and now you're accountable to keep the law. But it's a big celebration. The bar mitzvah is a huge celebration. It's a big deal. Now, for the Reformed and Conservative Judaism, um, they also practice what we would call bat mitzvahs. Bat mitzvahs. And what that is is basically girl for girls, and it stands for daughters of the commandment. So it's girls at that age, and they celebrate that. Another thing is the Sabbath. Uh, I thought this was, you know, uh, obviously... You know, we take a day and we worship, um, but this comes from the fourth commandment. Uh, again, going back to what they believe, what they look at, the fourth commandment. Um, and is, is the Sabbath begins for them with sunset on Friday evening and ends at sunset on Saturday. On Saturday. So that's the Sabbath for Judaism. And then you've got a few more of their holidays or however you want to call it. Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. In the biblical days, this is, well, it still is today, the Day of Atonement. That's what it represents, the Day of Atonement. 
And if you look at this, and this is where the biblical times come in, this is when the high priest offered the annual sacrifice for the people's sin. For the people's sin. And what they would do is the um, priest, high priest, would offer a bull on the behalf of himself, the sacrifice of a bull on the behalf of himself, a goat on behalf of the congregation, and then a goat would be sent out into the wilderness, symbolically carrying away the sin of the people. Today, for Judaism, this day is a day of repentance. A day of repentance. And then you've got things, I mean, like Hanukkah. You've probably heard of Hanukkah around Christmas time for us. You've got the Passover. Passover is a celebration, a celebration that lasts from seven to eight days. It's commemorating God's, you guys know this, but it's commemorating God's protecting his people from the last plague on Egypt, the death of all firstborn sons, which led to the Exodus. So that's the Passover and how they celebrate that. You know, in thinking about in thinking about what they, what they do, the, what Judaism practice, practice um, came up with a couple of questions as I was studying this and looking at this. A couple of questions came up that we might ask as Christians. I mean, just looking at a Jew. Like if you just know somebody's a Jew, and I'm not saying do this because don't do this, but I'm saying you might have these kind of questions in thinking about what they believe, their theology and what they do, their practices. Question like this. Since Jews don't offer animal sacrifices anymore, I think this is in your notes, I think, maybe, maybe not. How do you think they can be saved and go to heaven? <coughs> Since Jews don't offer, okay, they don't do that anymore. They don't offer animal sacrifices. Well, well how do they get to heaven? I mean, what's, what do they do? I mean, there has to be a sacrifice, right? I mean, that's what we believe. For us, though, this is why it's kind of us thinking differently than Jews, Judaism. For us, we believe we must be saved, right? I mean, we, we teach that, we preach that, we receive that. But for Judaism, it's not a major concern. For us, we believe the purpose of religion is to provide some means of getting to heaven. I mean, we're like, okay, we want to go to heaven. This, you know, what is, what's the means to get to heaven? But to Jews, Judaism, it's not. And also, most Jews don't want animal sacrifices. They're not like, hey, we, we want to do this. This is great. Let's go slaughter some animals and offer them up for sacrifices. Another question is this. And by the way, many Orthodox Jews do believe that when the Messiah does come, the temple will be rebuilt and actually sacrifices will be reinstated for the Orthodox Jew. Number two, the question is this. Why do... so? They keep God's law, right? I mean, we, we hear that they, they're, they're, reading, they're doing all this stuff from Leviticus and all through the, the books there where it talks about all these laws they're supposed to perform. Well, why do they do this if it won't get them to heaven? Because they, they're like, no, we don't, you know, doing this won't get us to heaven. To us, it implies that a desire, that a desire for rewards and really a fear of punishment are the only acceptable motives for obeying God's laws. In other words, the Jewish mindset is this. It, it should not take, now listen to this, because I want to, I want to, this is some application here for us as I was studying this. 
The Jewish mindset is this. It should not take a promise of rewards or a threat of punishment to motivate people to obey God's law. Let me say that one more time. This is the Jewish mindset. They're like, why would we want to do this to get, you know, to, to do this to get to heaven? It should not take a promise of rewards or a threat of punishment to motivate people to obey God's law. Now let's apply that to us. They, well, before I say that, they believe this. Hey, you should obey the law out of the love and respect for God. Question. Why did you become a Christian? Why did you become a Christian? Was it, was it, was it a time in your life where you felt like, like I'm afraid of hell? I, so, somebody just said something about hell, and if I die, I'm going to hell? <coughs> Were you afraid of hell? Is that why you became a Christian? Or was it, I want to become a Christian and follow God to receive rewards, to receive a blessing? Why, another question for us, why are we to live in obedience to God and his word? Why, would you, why, why should we desire what, to live for God and say, God, I obey your word? Again, is it because, well, I want to do this so God will approve me and not send me to hell. I want to do this because I'm going to do something good so God will reward me and give, bless me. Bless me. We become Christians not because of that. We become Christians because of the gospel. And we know that. We, we, we look at it and say, listen, we know who God is, right? Which it seems like the Jews do too, as we read in the Old Testament, their beliefs, their theology. We believe who God is, but we also believe who we are. Man, we're, we're, we're sinful people, right? We know that. We're sinners. We're born sinners. And, and, and we, we, believe, we believe that because of Christ and what Christ did, he came to this earth, walked, lived, died, resurrected. That's what we need. That's our Savior. That's what we need. That's why we're Christians. And it's interesting that by faith and repentance, we trust in, uh, that's, I mean, that's what we believe. Faith and repentance, we trust in Christ did for us. So, why should we obey laws? Why should we obey the commandment? Why do we look at God's word and say, you know, this is my, this is my guide? Not to gain approval from God, but because we do love God. It's because of what he did for us. So it's interesting to look at this and go, you know, I think a lot of times what we do is we feel like that we're doing, hey, I'm going to obey the laws to go to heaven. Not, hey, by faith, I am a believer and I will go to heaven. Now, I'm going to love God and obey his laws. So, this kind of leads us into the last point here, and that is this, the, the differences. How is the gospel different? Out of all the major world religions, Christianity and Judaism are the most similar Although Christians base much of their faith on the same Hebrew scripture, right? I mean, you look at the Old Testament and you go, okay, yeah. I mean, there's some stuff in the Old Testament. Now, again, Old Testament, I'm not saying we believe everything in Leviticus that we're supposed to do now, obviously, because we believe in the New Testament. We believe in the New Covenant. Let's look at two differences. This first difference kind of goes back to even what I was saying here. The, it's the whole idea of belief and action. So that first blank just under differences, two differences, belief and action. Jews generally consider <clears throat> actions and behavior to be of primary importance. It's the actions and behavior. Beliefs come out of the actions. So it's actions 
Behavior leads to belief. This kind of conflicts with Christians because what we believe is that it's by faith, our belief is the most important, our faith in Christ, which leads us to actions. It leads us to serve God. It leads us because of our faith leads to this. So, but the all-important difference between Christianity and Judaism is this, the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And it just goes back to it. It just goes back to the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Here's some differences. Judaism does not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Christianity, and what we believe, believes that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies of a coming Messiah and Savior, according to the Old Testament, according to what the Jews even know and believe, or at least read. We take that and say, yes, it is about Jesus, the coming Messiah. And he's fulfilling the Old Testament. Judaism often recognizes Jesus as a good teacher and perhaps even a prophet of God. But what do we believe? We believe that Jesus is God. He is God in the flesh, according to what we believe in the Scripture in the New Testament. Judaism strongly denies that Jesus was God. Or even such a sacrifice was needed. You know, Jesus, sacrifice, what is needed there? Why is it even necessary? Christianity and what we believe teaches that God became human being in the person of Jesus Christ. So he could lay down his life to pay the price for our sins. That's what we believe. The person and work of Jesus Christ is a primary issue that Christianity and Judaism just cannot agree. It goes back to Christ. And as we look at our Bible and what we believe, we can look back at the Old Testament where we see some gospel, and that is this. In Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 6, a familiar verse, but let me read it. In the context of what we've just all heard, okay? Think about it this way. I want us to look at this scripture and thinking about everything and read along and send your notes and thinking about everything we just heard. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. <clears throat> like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. He was, and we, he esteemed him not. Surely he took upon our infirmities and carried out our sorrows, carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned his own way. And the Lord has laid him, on him the iniquity of us all. Let's look at the New Testament. Apostle Paul. I mean, we know about Apostle Paul, right? I mean, this guy, a Jew, right? I mean, he knew the law. I mean, he, he would go back and say, yes, this is everything that I believed Everything. This is me. And I taught people. And I even, you know, led people to death. And, and because of what I now believe, because of what his encountered time with Jesus in a vision in Acts chapter 9. With that, he became the greatest witness, one of the greatest witnesses for Christ and the author of almost half the New Testament. 
Paul understood the difference between Christianity, Christianity and Judaism. He understood it. He said, this, is, this, is, this has happened in my life. I knew this, and now I'm a changed person. Old covenant, new covenant. This is what it's all about. What was Paul's message? Well, one of them was Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First, for the Jew, then for the Gentile. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. This is Jesus who we believe in. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. He's our God. I hope that uh, just getting a little bit of a glimpse of what Judaism, the history of it, what they believe, what they uh, practice, some of this stuff. You know, you could actually go back and, and look at some stuff and say, well, look at the Jews. What's some of their practices? Man, they, the men, they pray three times a day. Well, guess what, y'all? How many times do we pray a day? How many times do you pray a day? Now, I'm not saying, you know, what they're praying is right, but it's, a, it's incredible, and we'll see this probably throughout the different religions, how religions, a lot of these major world religions, how if you truly look at what they believe and what they practice, how dedicated they are to, to their religion, to their God, that's, that should be convicting to us because a lot of times we look at it and go, I'm a Christian, but man, I, I, don't, I don't practice it much at all. I have my faith, but what am I doing with it? So again, it's not we do stuff to gain our faith. We don't do stuff to gain God's approval. We have faith and we love God because of that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity to speak tonight. And Lord, I... I so interesting just looking at Judaism and thinking about these people, the Old Testament, that, that were chosen people that you did love. You have grace and mercy so many times in the Old Testament. But God, we are thankful as believers in Christ. We are thankful for the new covenant. We are thankful that through Christ and in Christ, we are saved. And God, I pray that even looking at Judaism, Lord, will your Holy Spirit will ignite our heart to look at our faith as believers in Jesus Christ. And God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you will encourage us, strengthen us, empower us to live daily for you, for your honor, and for your glory. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.